this week I wanted to take a moment to to go over a lesson in gaslighting uh, for the week. Uh, so gaslighting has been uh, a big technique of both fascist and authoritarian since, I mean, basically forever. I tried to think about specific examples I could go all the way back with, and it was uh, quite a ways. Uh, but, um, I mean, the, the biggest thing gaslighting does is the – it consists of uh, subtly eroding the followers' belief in reality by contradicting things that are true or you know should be true if we're not going to have a capital T truth. Uh, but it's crucial to recognize gaslighting because it affirms the need for individuals to critically analyze the world around them. So this week, the New York Times released a story saying that it had sources within the White House telling it that Trump had ordered the firing of Robert Mueller in June, right after Mueller had said that he was going to go after Trump for obstruction, well, was looking into Trump for obstruction of justice. And so Trump immediately called this fake news and like, we kind of didn't want to cover this story because whatever dumb Russia isn't interesting anymore. And like, it's just kind of a backseat to all the actual like terrible policies that are going on. But, like, I wanted to mention this because, like, this is just – it was just such classic gaslighting. Like, rather than engage with what the New York Times is saying or attack the veracity of the story by, like, hitting the, like, sources that they're trying to discuss or even just describing why it's untrue, which is a very classic example of, like, what a politician would do, which is, like, talk until it's just such mumbo-jumbo that it doesn't matter. But he just dismisses it. And that works to confuse everyone's reality because like it causes this dissonance between the New York Times, which follows a guideline and vets their sources and stories. And I mean, you know, even though they don't do the best job all the time, like they do follow a rubric and are doing a thing. And would he just bats it away as fake offhand? Not only does it undermine the New York Times, but it also like undermines the idea of verifiable fact, which like. You know, I'm not a big capital T truth guy anyway, but it is important that we at least accept that there are things going on to people. And so when you, he does this, it confuses both the viewer and that is the purpose. Um, but I thought in that example, I think it's really important to see like another example of like how gaslighting works to see that it is so clear that this is exactly what he's doing. He's trying to confuse people and just thus confuse the whole subject. So I think a classic example of gaslighting is a police interrogation technique uh, that involves doing it to the subject. And so I, this is a very basic technique that I've seen and read about quite a bit. Uh, but the cop will just at, walk in the room and just declare that the suspect is guilty. Um, they, you know, I mean, they don't once you wave your Miranda rights and you talk to the police, like they can tell you stuff that's not true. And so they're just going to tell you that they know you're guilty and then, you know, tell you that they have all this evidence and it's a, you know, dead to rights case against you. And then they're not going to ask you why you did it, but they're just, or they're not going to ask you to say you did it. They're going to ask you why you did it. And so when you finally say why you did it, you admit and that they didn't ever had any evidence. It's not you. The only thing they have is you confessing. But like that 
is an, a perfect example of what this is. So you project confidence behind something that the viewer knows or should know isn't true. And that causes self-doubt that the gaslighter they can take advantage of and advance their own interests, whether it's to undermine the idea of facts so that no one cares that you're doing crazy shit all the time like Donnie T or you're trying to get a confession. It's the exact same technique, just a little different. Well, in uh, in Canada, it's pretty funny. They actually made a law saying that apologizing for something does not count as an admission of guilt because it's like such a Canadian response to apologize for anything that happens. They have to legally say, like, well, you're not guilty if you apologize for it. <laughs> That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I like that video like, recently was, where you do something a pardon. <laughs> uh, the pardoning not being an admission of, or actually being an admission of guilt. Oh, the yeah. fuckers <laughs> who were on the news, they were like, wait, what? But that, that, I mean, actually, that is such a central... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I that's actually that's funny like... that you mentioned that because one of the cases I've read uh, was about exactly that. They just kept asking, are you sorry for what you did? <laughs> Until the guy was like, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, you know, exactly that. Yeah, I think it was like, I think it's an insurance thing in Canada. Like, if you get in a car accident, apologizing doesn't mean you caused the accident. <laughs> okay, that's just so, proof that Canada doesn't. No, get out of here. Oh, Canada. sorry there, buddy. I stepped right in front of your car. <laughs> Didn't even. I was right in the way of where you were driving. I'm real sorry about that. Shouldn't have been outside on the sidewalk. <laughs> oh my gosh. But then, I mean,. I don't think, like, I think, I think you're right to talk about gaslighting here, but I don't think Trump is doing gas. Trump, Trump does not remember that he said that. <laughs> That's fair. Like, I would 100% buy that he just doesn't know. No, and I like, think that he 100% believes the, like, complete truth is what he's saying in that exact moment and nothing else. <laughs> doesn't matter if it's inconsistent with, with this next sentence. It's just, he, he thinks that, you know? I I, I well, think that lends itself this. to like how gaslighting is done in a certain way because I don't necessarily think that um, the police think of themselves that way. I also think they were walking in that room thinking, you know, I'm I'm doing what's right too. And... I think they're walking into the room thinking, oink, oink, I'm tasty baby. <laughs> that's, just... that's all they ever have on their mind. But well, I think like I, the problem is with the yeah. media that they there's still like this idea that any single every single issue you have to acknowledge both sides, and that really legitimizes it no matter how stupid the other side is. Yeah. Just because they are like, oh well, you know, both positions deserve a voice. They can't objectively say like, no, this side is fucking wrong. Well, it's it's a clear reductionist tactic of reduce it like all you know what I mean like not considering anything as fact whereas yeah, well, you I mean, just turn like, everything into this opinion based garbage where you're like oh so there is no objectivity I understand yeah, well, like, you, like, can it, say, you can say like oh the the earth is flat and then the media will be like well I'm bad example because the earth is flat but the media <laughs> right right like, I was gonna say where are you going with the truth here they'll be like are you gaslighting me yeah we've got to give uh, <laughs> equal time to these round earthers even though that's clearly bullshit but that then legitimizes the round earth theory 
And it's, a, I mean, it's a problem to this day. Most people think the Earth is a globe, and, <laughs> and it's because of the media's both both sides, you know, reporting. But I'm just gonna let y'all know. All of you are wrong. We're inside the hollow earth right now. The moon and the sun are holograms. I'm sorry. You guys are a little beyond the pale. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian Nation, ride my pony on the reservation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now way down yonder in the Indian Nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. I'm Adam Burnett. <laughs> I'm Carl Roberts. I'm Parker Nelson. And I'm Stephen Lassman. This is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We were a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. Um, I just want to take a moment today to remind everyone that it's been four months since Hurricane Irma struck Puerto Rico. And somewhere between 450,000 and one and a half million people are still without power on the island. Um... The longer this goes on, it's just worse and worse for those who are still on the island. And I just wanted to make sure that we don't lose sight of this catastrophe uh, with all the news that's going on and forget to stand in solidarity with those living under the very oppressive hand of colonialism right now. Yeah, absolutely. We shouldn't forget about Puerto Rico just because it's not this news cycle. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's. The people still suffer. That's the most important thing. And they're all, you know, they're all people and they don't deserve that. And we could solve it right now. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I also want to mention we're recording this on Saturday, the 27th of January. And that's um, it's an important day because it's the day Auschwitz was liberated. So I also want to, you know, we should remember that. And, and you know, remember international the Holocaust because it is International Holocaust Remembrance Day that we're recording on, and that you know that's one of those things that can never happen again. And it, as as a left wing podcast, it's important I think to remember that and to to say you know that's got to be on our mind in the in in this new rising tide of authoritarianism and fascism that it, it's not okay. Yeah, now the day to remember that. Now more than ever, I think we need to be vigilant of the fascist practices and behaviors that go on and are increasingly going on. I uh, I recently finished a book, and one of the uh, uh, the uh, intro intro to the book was uh, one of the inscriptions at Yad Vashem, the um, Holocaust Memorial in Jerusalem. And whoo, man, uh, it's always good to s- see some of that stuff because. Man, you never talk about more brave people than than the people who fought against that and knew what it was and fought against it, uh, you know, in France and in those ghettos. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. So solidarity with Puerto Rico, solidarity with those who are fighting fascism and all that. 
So speaking of uh, those fighting fascism, or maybe I should better say fascists fighting people who were fighting fascism, uh, Turkey this uh, Turkey this week has made some bold moves. Uh, they have invaded a uh, the Afrin province of northeastern or northwestern Syria. I guess it's northeastern. It's northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hate I hate looking at globes. Um, <laughs> yeah, because they're wrong. Yeah. Should be flat maps. Should, should be a disc. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Turkey has invaded Afrin. It is uh, occupied by Kurdish forces right now. Um, the 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 big part of this is that essentially the Syrian civil war is de-escalating at this point. Um, Basically, there's not a lot of fighting still going on. And so while the fighting is still going on, though, for some of the contested areas, Turkey's kind of just pushing their borders forward a little bit. And they're just trying to take Afrin. Um, and this is I mean, kind of... I, I think they're just trying to kill Kurdish people. I think it's just you know a side effect that they take part of Syria. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you got the vacuum because of the war that they're clearly capitalizing on. Yeah. There's this huge power vacuum so they can go in there pretty much unopposed. But yeah. but it's important to note, I think, that um, this is basically a step directly against the EU and the US because kind of, um, uh, I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, basically we've been supporting the Kurds in selling them weapons and then kind of leaving them in the desert. But like right. that is still a problem because like while we aren't supporting like the Afrin province as much, we are support, supporting the man... Carl, say it for me. Man bitch. That province. <laughs> I wanted to make like a man bear pig joke, but I really couldn't. <laughs> Seems like a stretch. A yeah, a little man, bit. Man bear pig, I guess. Yeah, yeah. maybe. It sounds too much like a pigeon at that kind of point. Continue. <laughs> well, I mean, basically, um, what do we decide? Governor Bear Dog? Uh... Prime Minister Erdogan of Bear Turkey. Berdoğan, is that what we're going with? Yeah, uh, let's go with Berdoğan. Bear, so. Yeah, he's a he's a strong, hairy man. So mm. Berdoğan has become the de facto dictator for Turkey. Uh, you know, in, much in that uh, great Putin uh, model of president for life. Um, and so he has ordered this operation, which I don't think we've mentioned yet, is called Operation Olive Branch. <laughs> Olive Branch. <laughs> which oh is, you know, um, the most nice Also gaslighting. Ever. That's, that's how you know, like, something's fucked up. Like, you know, you got Peacekeeper Missiles, Operation Olive Branch. Uh, yeah, you're like, Operation Olive Branch, we need to invade another country to bomb people there. <laughs> I, have, I have a whole, like, three and a half hours I can do on self-defensive countries being used for like oh we have to invade poland because they always invade <laughs> poland because it's always germany some of my favorite uh, think tank articles too are uh, basically advocating that democracy is good because democratic countries don't go to war with one another when it's <laughs> really one, actually baby. just democratic countries shitting on non-democratic countries to be fair we never go to war with democratic countries we topple their government set up a dictator <laughs> then go to war with them <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to say, are those all those studies just entitled, ha ha, look who lost? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. 
They're actually all just entitled, here's how I made all the democracies that aren't pro-American not count. <laughs> CIA assassinations are not war, so... Invasion of Granada, you know, <laughs> Panama, whatever, what have you. <laughs> but yeah, this, this, I mean, this seems like a pretty strong move that Turkey's making to, yeah, you know, extend their sphere I, of influence yeah, and, and, and assert I, themselves. I, I, and so, I mean, they are, they are, you know, yeah, in the processes of invading Afrin. And I think important to note that they're a NATO ally that's just not, <laughs> not, not playing this game. And... Well, I mean, so like, like a lot of their justification for this is that the YPG is the Syrian branch of the PKK, the Kurdish Workers Party, which is, um, yeah, left wing Kurdish fighters. <clears throat> In, in Turkey, right? That, that's been a war with the government for like 40 some odd years or something, right? And they're and, mostly in uh, eastern Turkey, correct? Yeah. So like far yeah. east Turkey. And yeah. they've been yeah. it. They've been fighting the Turkish government for, what, a couple decades now? Yeah. I mean, they, they currently they currently the 1980s. Have a peace, like a peace agreement. It might even be the 70s. I'm not entirely sure when that started. But it, it's been a long time. And... So we all, everyone in the West calls the PKK a terrorist organization because Turkey was like, look, these communists are here. And that what that meant in the Cold War was, oh, my God, we need to send you like tear gas and guns to shoot communists because that's all the Cold War is about. And that's what NATO is. Um, and the y Turkey claims the YPG is the PKK in Syria, and they're not. They, the, the YPG makes a very serious point of publicly saying we're not the branch of the PKK, even if we think they're cool, we have no relation to them, we're not a fraternal, fraternal organization, and Turkey is just like, well, we killed all these people at home, we need to kill them there too. <laughs> it's just, they were the only group that anyone could support from the West, because they were the only group that wasn't like working with Al-Qaeda or ISIS, that was fighting the Syrian government. And so we're in this massive problem because the Free Syrian Army that's just a Turkish proxy works with ISIS, not with ISIS, but with the Al-Qaeda affiliate in Syria all the time. And they're massively supported by Islamists. And Turkey itself supports Islamists in the country. And so it's just, there's nothing to do about it. There, there was no situation where this was not going to end up like this. Yeah. Well, that's why this becomes like such a complex situation is because there's, no group you want to root for here mm -hmm. like nato <laughs> except hell for no. the YPG. turkey the ypg is cool but yeah like yeah. turkey free syrian army nato all of them are just very unfortunate actors in the situation well let's 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 see if we can find some more uh unfortunate actors because i i i, I think it's important to mention kevin too... spacey oh, perfect <laughs> oh god um very unfortunate actor. i think it is important to note that like Russia, that Russia's support um, is very important in a certain way here. And that also the U S has been working here to uh, like uplift the Kurdistan in the uh, more Western province in that word Carl said. And so I, I have a couple quotes from, yeah, m more unfortunate actors here. So, so Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov. And yeah, this is coming from a uh, Russia today article. It's important to me to read RT because it's actually state propaganda. And that makes it like really representative of what's going on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Lavrov said that it's a fact that U.S. forces are seriously involved in creating alternative government bodies in a vast part of the Syrian territory. 
later on <laughs> Thursday, on Wednesday, uh, Erdogan said there was an operation during Mr. Obama's administration. That operation aimed to clear terrorists out of Manbij, but he failed to keep up his up to his promise and cheated us. <laughs> they <laughs> promised they would send the terrorists in this area to the east of the Euphrates and leave Manbij. And so it kind of sounds like Turkey what wants to go invade <laughs> most of Syria. What 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 Erdogan means to when he says they said they would clear terrorists out of Manbij is that <laughs> so so the Manbij operation was run by the YPG with U.S. support and U.S. airstrikes and like you know uh, educators on the ground and what he's calling the terrorists and the point was to drive out ISIS and he's calling the YPG the people who did that terrorists here that's important <laughs> to recognize and. Lavrov is right to an extent because the U.S. has been arming a militia that controls large swaths of northern and eastern Syria. Well, I think it's also important to mention that the YPG and just like the Kurdish people in general have been pushing to very little international response for statehood in that kind of eastern Turkey, Syria area for a very long time. Yeah, yeah there's just a, also, a, a little hunk of Syria that should be too. called yeah. Kurdistan. <laughs> Yes, yeah, they've been pushing that for that for a long time with almost no acknowledgement from the international community, despite the fact that they have driven ISIS out themselves, that they are basically self-governing. Well, um, un unlike Al-Qaeda, they don't have a single office in Saudi Arabia making them a legitimate <laughs> governmental organization, because that's a fact. Well, and they also, I mean, the other thing, too, is that they're like, we should have an economy that's just, and... We should not like utterly colonize people, and maybe women deserve equal rights. And everybody's like, "Well, that, do we believe that?" No, we don't. <laughs> unless, unless <laughs> you're killing ISIS. Yeah, can you really um, be a country if you don't believe in colonial holdings? <laughs> <laughs> no, fake news. I'm surprised but there's I, not more like hype around the U.S. nukes at Encirlik and how this could like affect you know what I mean that kind of shit. And well, like, this is this is like the fucking crazy part of the problem, right? Haven't because... we been planning to move these things for like 15 years and nothing has ever happened because they're like, ah, oh, it's Turkey. Well, it's like, like Turkey it's like wants a us car to keep up them. On blocks, you know, we just got all these nukes <laughs> up on blocks. We're like, ah, oh, we could scrap them, but they're fine in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just like, this still is mean to Russia, even though we don't need them anymore, since those mm. those nukes being put in, in Chirilic is what caused the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, oh, that's well, a different another, story. <laughs> another thing is just like the media coming out of here seems so unreliable, because you've got Turkish propaganda, Russian propaganda, and then like, you know, YPG and Free Syrian Army leaflets that they're passing out, but <laughs> it's really hard to get like an objective view of what's going on especially in the united states because like they're not reporting on it that's not in america yeah. why do we care yeah yeah and it's also it, it's really crazy like there there was some some reporters with the fsa in afrin and there was a point like they had it on german news this morning um and there was a point where they had to stop doing coverage because the reporters were getting shot at <laughs> and so it's like you can't even get good news because turkey is like we're not going to put them with our people because this was a huge deal in Germany, and now Germany isn't shipping weapons to Turkey anymore because they like the Turkish government put out all these like semi-ISIS-like videos of them invading northern Syria, and everyone in German politics was like, we can't ship them weapons anymore. Those are German tanks that we shipped them that they said they wouldn't use for this. Oh no! And <laughs> so they they deployed oh, no. the, the Turkish government put all the reporters with free Syrian army people and the Turkish government is using the free Syrian army to do like the hard work of dying 
instead of letting Turkish soldiers die. And so, like, now you can't get good news because reporters are getting shot at. And there's a video of these reporters literally getting shot at, and the guy's being like, maybe you should leave, because it's literally war right now. Uh, so do you all, like, see a good ending for the Kurdish people in this? Is there yes. any way yes. that this will end well uh, for them? Lassie, let me explain to you how this is going to go down, okay? Right. Lay it on me. Turkish soldiers going to shoot a Russian soldier. In response, the Russians are going to kill two Americans. Then we're going to firebomb the whole area, killing just basically everyone on every side, at which point the nukes are going to go. Everyone's going to be gone in a matter of what, 13, 14 minutes, and we'll have silence and peace on Earth. <laughs> and the Kurds come down from their mountain villages and inherit the earth yeah they all come out of sinjar and they're like well we made it (laughs) they're playing the long game (laughs) well speaking of the long game uh carl you want to tell us about the uh, government shutdown that was so averted thanks to the quick deal of president deals and mitch mcconnell (laughs) president deals and mitch mitch mcturtle okay to be fair to mitch mcturtle (laughs) He did do a good job with being the deal's uh, Senate Majority Leader. Um, because our whole last episode, right, was like, oh, government shutdown, big deal. And I think by when I published the show on Monday, the government hadn't reopened, but it reopened on Monday. Um, and a few things happened with that. One, CHIP got extended, which is really good, because, like, kids should have health care. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> CHIP got extended. Of course it's good that that happened. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, very important. Yeah. That, that's important. These, these kids now have health care. Um, and it got pushed back to uh, February 8th, the deal with uh, DACA recipients, DACA recipients. Um, though they're now starting to lose already, certain DACA recipients are starting to lose their protected status. And ICE actually picked up some people in Oklahoma. Like, I, I saw the news article today. I think they picked him up in a sweep uh, yesterday on Friday. Um, so there's it's a, already starting to affect people. There's um, a situation, uh, a high school in my neighborhood in Boston, um, just two kids got in a fight, and as a result, police were called, and then one of them got ICE agents called and was arrested by ICE because he was undocumented. So just, like, because of a high school fight in the schoolyard, one of these kids is now, like, has his citizenship hanging in the balance. They were yeah, actually I, I, doing uh, similar sweeps at OU, where a friend of mine, uh, they were, they actually arrested a bunch of OU faculty, like like groundskeeping faculty at the ICE, because one of my uh, on the debate team, one of my debater friends is like pretty much engaged to an undocumented worker, and they they were like were throwing hella, trying to get hella funds to be thrown, you know what I mean, for legal battles and whatnot. So it's definitely mm-hmm. fucked. And this is starting to happen because the Democrats caved on the shutdown. And mm-hmm. so the whole thing is, you know, the Democrats said we won't do anything without a dreamer deal. The Republicans said you're choosing between uninsured American children with the CHIP program. You know, you're, you're fucking our troops, blah, 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 for illegals, which is really stupid. Uh, and, and, and the Democrats caved. And, and we can talk about if they caved or not. See, um, yeah, a lot of what I've been hearing is sort of like people saying, well, like, you know, they had to you know, save chip, they had to do something, and, like, yes, it's good that we have chip, but they were in a position that they could have pushed for both if they had put up any sort of resistance. Right. Yeah. And so the thing is, the reason Democrats said, we'll do this, we'll get over it, the reason Chuck Schumer came to this agreement um, is because Mitch Mitch McConnell made a pledge uh, 
to Chuck Schumer. Um, and so this is basically what he said, right? Uh, and it's three important things. One, that if an immigration deal isn't reached by February 8th, when the continuing resolution ends and there's no more money for the government and a government shutdown is threatened again, McConnell would bring a bill to the Senate floor for debate. And he didn't say which bill he would bring to the Senate floor for debate. And bringing it to the floor for debate does not mean it gets passed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera right? Right. And he has one condition, uh, that Senate Democrats won't shut down the government on February 8th when this bill expires, if they haven't reached an agreement by then. And then he also says that the debate would have a fair and open amendment process. So basically, Democrats said, we won't shut down the government on February 8th because you'll let us argue this bill. And, and let's remember, you know, there are 51 Republican senators, there are 49 Democratic senators. They still, like Republicans still control this body. And having a free and open debate doesn't get us anywhere, right? Like, what does that do for us? They have to shut down the government again if they're going to get protection for dreamers done via a filibuster in the Senate. That's like well, a think, fundamental point. Yeah, I think that if the Democrats think that they can give a rousing West Wing speech that they're going to like turn enough Republicans, which isn't going to happen. Never. No, it's not. And it's also it could. like the reason they're saying this is a thing <laughs> is because they're like Mitch McConnell like this turtle of a fucking snake, right? Um, <laughs> oh, I got some snake story for you later. <laughs> the, the lizardiest of lizard people. Yeah, mm. truly a lizard, if, if there ever was one. Um, it, it, like, their whole reasoning is he's come out so in public saying that he would do this, even though he says, it's my intention to do this. He didn't say, I promise. He said, it is my intention that we will have a free and open amendment process if we don't reach a, a, a compromise by February 8th. Um, they're saying, oh, we'll be able to get him because we'll have him with his pants down because he promised us this. And the thing is, Mitch McConnell will straight up be like, it was my intention. Now it's not going to happen. Sorry. Yeah. And that will be it. <laughs> and they will have to shut down the government again if they want to do anything. So it doesn't do anything. Right. And the other thing it also does is makes all these people, like, I, like I've already said, all these people are now in threat of losing DACA protection until this February 8th deadline. And it also demotivizes. Like, like the reason the government got shut down is because activists were so, like, putting so much pressure on senators and saying you have to shut down the government to protect us. And you know, are we going to see that again on February eighth? Can they do that again? Are Senate Democrats going to be willing to do that again? You know, it's basically what happened is they threw away this stuff. Well, they the also promise. they had the momentum and support going into this first shutdown and by delaying it, like it's gonna be several news cycles later, people aren't going to be as energized and angry at the Republicans. And so even if they want the same things they were trying to get during this first shutdown, they've just like lost the public energy behind it that they had going during the initial shutdown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like they actually could have rallied a meaningful opposition to this and really like gone out in force, but they didn't. And fundamentally, they had the power the whole time. They they still have that power, but like that's the thing. Are they going to do it again? Because people are going to say you already shut down the government once and you got something. What are you doing here? And and, and you know, are are they going to find a spine again? You know, this is something that's serious. I know that we as Oklahomans can't call somebody because if you call Senator Langford, he'll be like, arr, 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 it's Democrats' fault. And if you call Tom Inhofe, he'll throw a snowball at you. Um, <laughs> Literally. But, 
It's just, I mean, it's it's one of the dumbest tactical decisions that you've ever seen. Like, they control, the Republicans control all three parts of government. And you can just sit here and say, well, you need our votes for this one thing. You have to get the, you have to do stuff for us. You have to scratch our back. And instead, they trust Mitch McConnell. I, I, I genuinely don't understand what's going on with what these people think. Well, that's the thing. They're always more willing to cater to their Republican opposition than their own supposed constituency like i mean the women's march is a great example of how big a mobilization this is like the fact that they were able to match and in a lot of cities like even have a bigger turnout than the uh, women's march last year shows that there's still this energy there's this uh like this huge um, amount of like anger and protest that the democrats aren't tapping into but they should be yeah, and and they had the they had the momentum, they had the moment behind them, and if they had just said we're gonna wait it out, it would have turned out that everyone was like, yes, we're into this because supporting DACA recipients is massively bipartisan. It's got you know over seventy percent support in the American. At the very public. least, the public, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's nobody wants to kick out people, you know, kids who are not kids. They're all adults Any, now. Anyone, people yeah. who were brought here as kids who didn't have a say in that. Who, and for who, for all intents and purposes, this is their home country. Like, in one, pa- in paper alone, they that's they're not citizens, but they have grown up here. They have grown up in our culture. They've contributed to our, you know, national, our our country. Who who we are as a country. They're workers. And it's also, I mean, yeah, yeah. They 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 are all workers. If you're a DACA recipient, you have to have a. You can't be a criminal. You can't have a criminal record. Rather, um, you can't. You need to be working or going to college, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, yeah, I was, I was these are the, the cream of our, the crop. I was going to say contributing to our economy, but I didn't want to frame it that way because you shouldn't have to be a contributor to our economy in order to be allowed to live here. You're more yeah, than the I, sum of your production, Lastman. Yeah, that's as a group of ale sons here, I think that we can <laughs> advocate for being unproductive members of society. Oh, I did. Still be I saw. <laughs> I saw some tweet where somebody's like, fuck that. Fuck DACA recipients. Fuck. If you just want to go home and smoke a bowl all day, you should be able to not worry about ICE. And I, the show is 100% about that. Like, yeah, oh, that's my America. It's just, it's just DACA recipients are actually, like, the people who followed all the rules and shit. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's important to note because they're saying all you people that just, they fucking pay taxes for Christ's sake. Right. Like, that's who they're going against now. And that's who Democrats are defending. And they don't have the fucking spine to sit there and say, one of the very few times we can genuinely affect a policy outcome, you're going to have to do what we want. And they just let it go. Like, There's a ton of problems with this, too. Like, who knows what Donald Trump will sign? Donald Trump is not... Whatever's put in front of him. Yeah, he doesn't read it. I mean, but that's the thing, is he's spending time with people like Tom Cotton... Um, and just hyper-conservative members of the House. And if yeah. if Senate Democrats were to say we're going to shut down the government until we get what we want here as a policy outcome, it could be a problem because then it would go to the House and Paul Ryan is in a bad position. But they could do that. They could Paul force Ryan's Paul Ryan to make a choice to between the Hastert rule and doing what his party wants in the House and, like, actually getting a budget passed they could do that they could force donald trump to sign something because you need nine democrats to pass a budget so Mm -hmm. it's just insane that we have to shut down the government again because there's 
the problem with Paul Ryan in the house is that he has no control. Like it is literally run away from him. It's just like, it's kind of amazing to watch like, like basically in this thing, whole thing, the house being of no consequence because it's like, uh, I don't think we could pass any bill with anyone because there's a far right that is refusing to levy any taxes. And there's mm-hmm. a far left that is like, hi, guys, we need to fix healthcare in this country, please, because people are dying every second. I, would, and, I, I mean, just like, bro, I'm out. I'm going to run to the Koch brothers and get another 500 grand, y'all. Thank yeah, you. I was just about to mention Hello. that. That fucking worm <laughs> took a like, fat half million dollar check from the Koch brothers for that disgusting tax bill. Mm. Where's my half million dollar check? Okay, I will sell out my values for half a million dollars. <laughs> Just go and start no, strangling proles, and you'll get one from the Koch brothers. Oh, yeah. Start holding children hostage in the Senate floor. I mean, that's the best move, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so but do, I, yeah. Don't think, I don't really think that's true in a sense about Paul Ryan, because 100% you could find, like, you could get a majority Democrat-passed budget in the House that still is mostly Republican shit because Democrats are just a bunch of fucking like people that say, oh, the best way to argue, the best way to do horse trading is if we start with a, a lowball value so that they'll they'll come up to ours instead of basing that as our high high value or something. Because they have no the deal, understanding baby. of how <laughs> negotiations work, fundamentally. <laughs> I just love the word negotiate. <laughs> It's just they're like, oh, negotiation is when you give them what they want at the start instead of starting out with what you want. Um, Why can't we just have five-year plans? It's just (laughs) – that's the problem is that Paul Ryan can't do that because then he'll get ousted as the House Majority Leader by his own party. And so he's stuck between a rock and a hard place, and Senate Democrats could do that. They could be like, we know Donald Trump will sign it if it gets in front of his desk because if if it gets in front of his desk, Mitch McConnell will be the last person in the room to talk to him before he signs it, and he'll be like, Mitch McConnell said it's cool, and all I care about is people approving. And and that's what we're going to have to see. So everybody stay tuned for February 8th. We're going to see if we're going to have more ICE people arresting people at school. Uh, before we close this out, since we're talking about ICE and DACA, uh, I just want to read off. This is uh, a list of what to do uh, if ICE agents show up at your door that the ACLU put out. Uh, and I think it would just be important for any of our listeners to keep in mind. Uh, number one, ICE agents show, show up at your door. Don't open the door. Be calm. You have rights. Um, ask what they're there for and ask for an interpreter if you need one. If they ask to enter... Ask if they have a warrant signed by a judge, and if so, ask to see it through a window or slipped under the door or mailbox. If they do not have a warrant signed by a judge, you may refuse to let them in. Ask them to leave any information at your door, and you still do not have to open your door. If they force their way in, don't resist. Tell everyone in the residence to remain silent, and if you are arrested, remain silent. Don't sign. Do not sign anything, and don't say anything until you speak with a lawyer. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate these are rules that people have to keep in mind, um, that this is a threat that a lot of people in Oklahoma and in the country as a whole are facing, but this is really important for anyone whose immigration status hangs in the balance to be aware of. And it's really important in Oklahoma because it's not a joke. They literally on Friday went through trying to collect people. They might be looking at... Uh, license plates soon and just scanning them for people that could be undocumented so you you gotta keep that in mind because they are genuinely coming for you 
I mean, yeah, we've brought up the warning signs of fascism when talking about Holocaust Remembrance Day. If this isn't one, I don't know what is. Yeah. The fact the that government... you need your papers on you at all times and that they could yeah. kick in your door and haul you out, or we'll try. But yes, even They're if scary. you are not a citizen, you have rights. Um, don't don't speak to ICE. Don't sign anything they give you. 14th Never Amendment has the word people in be, it. Be cooperative. Don't do anything rash. Nothing like that because they are violent and scary. Yeah. All you have to do is say, I would like to talk to my lawyer the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just say the word lawyer. Yep. If, go, if you go can, the, uh, just, Mike, just, the Mike just... Ehrmantraut route from Breaking Bad. Just sit there. <clears throat> lawyer. Hey, hey, to be real, to be real, one of the best, you know, I, I, I obviously, you know, if anyone out here is listening for this kind of advice, I mean, you know, first of all, go talk to, uh, there's lots of free uh, legal advice out there that you can get, which is actually really good. The Bar Association does a lot of free referrals and there's a lot of pro bono work done. So if you are worrying about your status, definitely contact the Bar Association because they can get you in touch with an immigration lawyer who can help you out uh, more likely than not. Um, the other part of that is is one of the tricks I tell everybody. Um, this is just a, a back of my pocket thing. I always tell people, hey, go to down wherever you live. There's going to be a lawyer. Just walk in there. You don't have to talk to anybody. Grab the card off his front desk and stick that in your wallet. The cops want to talk to you. Just very politely say, hey, officer, in my wallet behind my driver's license, there's a card for a lawyer. You're going to have to talk to them. I'm sorry. There you go. Mm-hmm. You, they, they, it doesn't matter that you've never had a conversation with him. That cop will leave you alone. I mean, you just, you just, that's a good move to have is to be able mm-hmm. to do that. And, and, you know, it's just real simple to do something like that. Protect yourself a little bit. But anyway. Whipping out the power play. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, Lassie, you want to tell us about uh, what's going on in Oklahoma this week? Yeah, well, um, as you all know, it's been getting nice and cold this winter in Oklahoma, and there are some people who are feeling that a little bit more than others, not just because of the weather, but because of their shitty slumlord uh, apartment owners. Uh, this is articles coming from a Tulsa World article entitled, Apartments Without Heat Must Get a Plan for Moving Tenants, City Working with Fulton Plaza to Get Heat Restored. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and read through this because it's a pretty short article. Um, Fulton Plaza property managers have until Wednesday morning, and uh, this article came out January January 24th. 24th. Yes. Um, Property managers have until Wednesday morning to get a plan in place for moving the residents or getting heat to the entire complex. City Councilor Karen Gilbert said a boiler malfunction at the apartment site located at 4646 South Fulton Avenue could not be fixed Tuesday. She said city officials worked with employees of the complex to restore heat which has been out since the first week of December. So nearly two months these people have not had heat in the dead of winter. Um, in a massive cold wave where temperatures are reaching like Yeah, in one of our coldest winters in, yeah. a, in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, a possible solution is to send heat from a nearby building into the complex. Property managers have until 10 a.m. Wednesday uh, to, to get it working. They were working on a plan to centralize the heat and move residents into the area to get to that, Gilbert said. If there's no room where they can move into, they need to move into another location. Mostly it's a relocation plan. The problem came to light last week after a resident called a local TV station asking for help to get the heat restored. The station contacted the Tulsa Fire Department, and Gilbert got involved because the apartments are in her district. A Saturday inspection found that the residents were issued space heaters by the property managers in early December with instructions to use towels to prevent drafts. 
several tenants were using their ovens to heat their apartments, and at least one brought a propane grill inside their apartment for warmth. <laughs> Hank Hill actually lives in Fulton Plaza. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the pictures of these apartments, they're already like pretty old wooden apartments, and these people are bringing their propane grills and leaving their ovens on to heat their apartments. It's a goddamn. <laughs> I like that box. game. It, that, that, that's gonna go super well like let me just tell you there's few things safer than having a propane g grill going while you're sleeping inside your house <laughs> well if i can actually um taste the meat uh, not the heat <laughs> oh my god they uh, but so uh on wednesday they did actually um they the city moved them out because the city said we have to have firemen check the apartments every 15 minutes to make sure they're not catching fire for <laughs> precisely the reason you just said lassie well and that, that, that they have to check every 15 minutes to make sure there's not a fire but for like over a month and a half they, they this risk was there um yeah so you say risk um, i say delicious delicious carbon monoxide poisoning profit. yeah mm. Mm. Uh, the article goes on to say that Gilbert says, The sad thing is the city had to get involved. The complex had known since the 1st of December and has made no move to fix things. It's sad that the city had to get involved and hold them accountable to the residents. The complex has 30 to 40 units with about 95% occupancy, mostly families. Temperatures in Tulsa have dropped near zero in recent weeks, leading to the cancellation of school due to the cold. We had kids in those apartments who would have loved to have walked or been driven to school to be in a warm place, Gilbert said. The whole situation has been frustrating as heck, which is probably the only word that the Tulsa World was willing to publish. I imagine <laughs> her real quote was a bit more colorful. Um, the property is owned by AMG LaFortune LLC, which is part of the Skokie, Illinois-based investment group, AMG Realty Group. Again, that name is AMG Realty Group, a shitty slumlord renting agency. The website states it was founded in 2013 and has acquired more than 4,200 residential apartments for his investors at a cost of $140 million. Um, other Tulsa properties owned by AMG Real Realty Group are Addison Apartments, um, 10156 East Admiral Boulevard, Sierra Point Apartments, 1433 South 107th East Avenue, and the LaFortune properties, which include Fulton Plaza, Brixton Square, and Magnolia Manor on the same block. Messages and emails left for Fulton Plaza, AMG LaFortune, and AMG Realty Group have not been returned. Gilbert said the Brixton Square Complex had a city code inspection this week and was issued several citations with orders to meet code by the week. There are a lot of code issues with that property that are different and not heat-related, Gilbert said. So this is a massive, like, nationwide renting group that refuses to pay to heat its residents' homes simply because... They don't want to put out the cost, and they know they can get away with not putting out the cost. To well, fix why don't they just the move, heat. Lassie? Why don't well, they just pick up and I move? Mean, take, take your heat and push it somewhere else. <laughs> I don't understand. It sounds like you liberals like, are making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that they're like, well, just light a fire in your apartment. We'll give you some firewood. At least they were nice <laughs> enough to provide the trash cans for the fire, right? <laughs> We'll give you a bunch of easy bake ovens from the 1960s that you can plug in around your home, and that can keep you warm. By the way, we won't pay your electricity bill. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. There, like the fact that the city had to step in is like one after thing, this but long. Yeah, but it, it took 
almost two months before that these people had to live in the cold before anything was done and only because it became like a local news story not because the city like Gave stepped up into action as soon as they yeah. heard it well, took... the crazy thing one of the craziest things too is that not only did they come and they had to do this right they forced these people to move on on the moment but the city reports that when they were moving them to the different place um somebody from a nearby apartment complex came up to the like the firefighters there and was like hey um you all are city code inspectors we don't have heat either yeah no it's this there are multiple units like multiple complexes that are without heat just in this in the same area and they're just and, having to they're having to flag down city inspectors cuz they're not coming out they're just like hey while you're inspecting that our apartment is also a shithole that should be condemned. <laughs> uh, it's so depressing. <laughs> um, but the the real the real gem of this article, uh, I think, comes in the uh, comments section, as always. me <laughs> <laughs> um, with it. Number one, the best solution is to raise this whole area. That's R A C E. It is a crime-ridden area that creates safety problems for the Y and the Peace Academy. So I like that suggestion. Just level it, and then, much like rats escaping a not yet burning building, the poor will just scatter out into the wild, right? <laughs> <laughs> what do they need? That is one hundred percent how those kind of people think, though. You know? Yeah. What's well, well, the area? To, the area is bad. It goes back to your joke of, yeah, why don't they just move? Just keep moving forever to, like... Under the bridge, it, the next bridge, yeah. that tree over there, that ditch, yeah. the other ditch, the, the grave. We well, in Oklahoma, I don't know if you'd want to live under a bridge. That might be less safe than living in those tinderbox apartments. <laughs> You've got interstate bridges collapsing. Uh, hey, you know that bridge at 11th Street in Tulsa? The, one of them's collapsing. Do you know which one? <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but my real takeaway from this is not that the uh, property manager should like be forced to fix it. They should have the property taken from them, and given control should be given to the city, and it should become public housing because clearly they are not equipped to run an apartment. Really, why isn't it? Why don't we have more public housing? This is a thing for me. Like there are tons because of AMG other can't make money off of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. It's just, I mean, I, I guess not the why. It's just there are tons of other places where how housing is is heavily regulated, or at least like the the city or whatever the term is for whatever it is. Be it Vienna, be it in in Stockholm, be it. Tons Grenfell of other Towers. In the world. <laughs> well, see, Grenfell Towers is part and parcel of the same thing, where we let poor people die of preventable problems. Yeah, I mean, that, it's. I think that shows that you know, while public housing is good, there needs to be more than just saying it's public housing. Right? Yeah, and you need to but, actually but, invest in it and give a shit about it. That's the thing that we can do, and that I mean, that's. I think you're totally right to make that takeaway that why doesn't the city condemn it and buy it? The city should make it their own and then put fucking heating in it and just be like, now it's housing. It's not for market prices. It's prices meant to give people, you know, an apartment for less than 25% of their income. Well, that the should most, be the thing. The most infuriating thing about this is the only consequence that AMG 
suffers is that they have to make the, they had to make the repairs, which is what they should have done in the first place, and then they have no additional fines. So why would they fix it in the first place? Like if they could get away with it, or and like the worst thing that's going to happen is they'll have to make the repairs they should done in the beginning. Then yeah, why wouldn't they try and cheat the system? Like, oh yeah, no, this absolutely, especially they if the fines much greater are. Yeah, they should suffer much greater consequences than fixing the thing that should have been fixed in the first place and making people live in the cold for two months. Well, and I can say... What are those? This is the South. <laughs> Ooh, hot take. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> but, I mean, I, 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 like, as, as somebody that does currently live in Germany... We have serious fucking rental protection rules here. I could light my goddamn building on fire and they couldn't kick me out for three months. They'd have to let me keep living here. <laughs> and that's good because it means that I don't have to worry about this shit. Like you read through this article, through, through the articles about this in the Tulsa world, and one of the people is like, I'm, I have been trying to move out for like three or four months at this point. Yeah, and no, now this, I is, have to this move. is not a singular like problem. This is a one case of a widespread issue for housing yeah. in Oklahoma. Well, and then, and this solution that they present where they're like, well, now we just move you to one of our other properties is actually fucking with this lady who's like, I had lined up a place to move to. It's just because of the time of year, my kids were in serious danger, but now I have to move for three weeks to a different apartment in the middle of fucking nowhere and then move to my other lease because I was already getting out. Well, and it's and, like, it's just the hamster wheel of poverty that these people are stuck on where they get moved from place to place. They can never like, established stability there when you're already like living in a low-income apartment you're worried about like you know feeding yourself getting your kids to school and then you also have to worry about finding a way to heat your home like it's the 1800s that should not be a problem people are having yeah. in 21st century society not at all no not at all well you know what else is problems we shouldn't be having in 21st century society oil wells exploding and killing workers <laughs> <laughs> or just Oklahoma being like, oh, we have to wait three days before we can see if we can find these missing people. That's, to be that's fair, good. the oil well was on fire for three days. So this yeah. week uh, <laughs> on Monday, uh, there was an explosion on an oil well in Oklahoma, uh, southwest of Quinton. Um, and... Uh, there were, I guess, about 22 workers on the site and 17 were able to uh, escape, but five uh, did lose their lives um, in this industrial accident, which is really awful. And you hate to say industrial accident because, I mean, you know, no one intends it. But, I mean, you know, I think, you know, the big takeaway is that, you know, these oil companies make dangerous environments. They could you know, not just conceivably make their environment safer for lots of reasons in lots of ways, but, you know, drilling oil out of the ground is dangerous. And, you know, if we move to, you know, easier and, and, and easier to attain and more green resources, we wouldn't have to see these kind of headlines about these terrible industrial accidents. Well, yeah, roughnecking is we'll like one of that. the most dangerous professions you can have still. And the fact that it's not a necessary, like it doesn't need to be a thing that exists. There are alternatives to having people work on dangerous oil rigs. It's just like we need to start looking at how we get past having people have to work on these giant exploding death traps. And to be right, fair, not only I think... that, but like the 
one of the major with with the company's status here in Oklahoma as as protected as they are with as many subsidies as they are, they're not gonna like the worst they're gonna have to do is pay these reparations to you know families or any the of those. The insurance types of company so. will pay the reparations to the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have. I mean, one of the craziest shit. things though is that you you read up this company. Um, uh, Patterson UTI Patterson Energy. UTI. Okay, pause. <laughs> UTI, <laughs> baby. This company, mean, is a, <laughs> this company is a UTI. Um, <laughs> but they have a massive history of accidents, planning. right? Um, and for over 140 safety violations, many of them serious, they've been fined $367,000 over the past That's 10 years. Nothing. Think about that. That's nothing. <laughs> Yeah. That's about a half a year's worth of subsidies from the state, I think. Something like well, they, that. They look at it like uh, Ed Norton's job in Fight Club, where he like calculates how much insurance they'll have to pay out for like the amounts of deaths they cause, and calculate that the insurance costs will be less than the cost of actually making these safety changes. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Like, so an, an analysis in 2008 by the AP of this company said that they had four deaths a year between 2002 to 2007, and no other oil and gas company had over five deaths. Jesus. In that, in that time frame. Oh, my frame. God. Yeah, and that's terrible. And they've paid $367,000 for it, and five Oklahomans just died. Mm-hmm. Because they just don't give a fuck about OSHA. Like, yeah, that's, that's not even a slap on the wrist to a multi-million dollar oil company for causing yeah. five people to die. It doesn't mean anything. And this is the biggest accident since 2010 with the Deepwater Horizon uh, uh, rig explosion. And, mm-hmm. I mean, 300 it, it, this should be billions of dollars that they are getting fined. This should be prohibitive to their continued existence in yeah, just the should, same way we were talking about. This should shut down the company. Yes. <laughs> um, like, I, think, I think there's an obvious solution that we're overlooking here. They should put the burning oil rigs in the unheated apartments. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. We just Jesus. move all these people to Quentin, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, put so, them on the oil rig. This is this is uh, a, a minor anecdote. Uh, I was in Oklahoma City, um, I guess, last one, one point last year, and I was uh, in a, a worst part of this, uh, a not a, a not very nice part of the city, driving through, and I saw between, I mean, just these rundown apartments. They were just all squeezed in these rundown apartments, and there was just an oil well in the middle of these un- rundown apartments that were just like crammed around it. And like that idea of like that, like one of the most important and like rich resources on the planet, next to like the people who have to live next to it get receive no benefit. That's like something that you would try and put in a post-apocalyptic like future movie, and they would say no. That's too on the nose. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, we're, gonna yeah. Cut, we're gonna cut that from Blade Runner. That's a little too heavy-handed. <laughs> but that's I mean, reality. You'd think, you'd think something like this fucking mine explosion where these people die, and then they're like, "Oh yes, over ten years of uh, uh, over a hundred forty violations of basic OSHA shit." It is only three hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars. I'm gonna do the math on how much that is a violation because that's like that's basically what they're saying is this violation is worth less than a house in South Tulsa. <laughs> yeah, because they're because they yeah they will shell out a small fine rather than make the repairs that need to be 
made and yeah. actually have a safe working environment for one of the most dangerous professions in the country. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I mean, that highlights the problem with the profit motive fundamentally because they are saying, yes, it makes sense for us to let these people die because the math works out where it's, yeah, it's the, cheaper for us. We make the, more money. The bottom line necessitates some people dying over our poorly managed rigs. I love human lives being worth about two and a half grand. Y'all not, <laughs> y'all not put, put that much on it. Maybe a little, little less. Oh, I mean, maybe Lord. you can negotiate that down. Well, it, it, yeah. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> we've uh, it's much we've less all... than the like eighty thousand they're paying them. You know. Yeah. We we we've all uh, uh, you know expressed our discontent for uh, the oil industry, but I think the Tulsa World uh, this week for our conservative reading list had something to say about the wind energy. <laughs> okay, so we we have a a. a Surprising, uh, if you will, uh, conservative reading list this week from this guy Cliff Brannon. Uh, this is uh, two, this is two weeks in a row that we're not doing an Oklahoman article. I know. I <laughs> said, Oklahoman's been failing me. You know, don't, they just like, have boring. Don't think don't think we've forgotten about you, Oklahoman. You still suck, but mm-hmm. you should. Sorry, no one Tulsa, should mail Tulsa you. World Opinion is our side bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was... should still metaphorically mail you poop. <laughs> email poop emojis to their complaints department oh wait yeah we can't get in trouble for that do that uh, yeah. also email poop emojis to this cliff Brandon guy um oh <laughs> we go from so, warmington to a guy named cliff yeah like oh, who are these the, people like cliff how, Brandon, chad all, warmington oh yeah all all related to the environment we we Derek drillington <laughs> i mean that might as well be his name since he works for uh, the Windfall Coalition, a nonprofit funded by oil and gas company executives. Okay, so this is the thing. Whenever I first pulled this article, right, that's what the Tulsa World said. It said that he's <laughs> he's a worker for the Windfall Corporation that um is done by oil and gas corporation. I pulled it up today for the show, and it says, correction, a note originally at the bottom of this column imprecisely described the Windfall Coalition. The group was formed by people from a variety of industries across Oklahoma. <laughs> the note has been corrected. So somebody greased some some palms at the Tulsa World. And then mm. I did some digging, and I went to their website. And the Windfall Co- Coalition exclusively exists to say, why the fuck are there tax breaks for wind energy production in the state of Oklahoma? Uh, mm. They don't even try with the name, too. It's just Windfall. Like, yeah. <laughs> just... Can you drop like, these? Uh, these. This is like a hacky first <laughs> year screenplay please? student. <laughs> you you go so you go to their website, and it just it's a photo of a wind farm, and it looks like it's foggy or something, and clearly it's supposed to look post apocalyptic or some shit. And it just says in massive letters, "Why are wind companies taking advantage of Oklahoma taxpayers? Find out." <laughs> By it's turbine insane. Cuttington. <laughs> um. But, right. but let's I, let's get started with this article. That's what do we got? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's pretty short. It, it's fucking good. Um, so we start. One of the country's largest utility companies wants to build a $4.5 billion wind farm and transmission line at the expense of customers in Oklahoma and three other states. Ohio-based American Electric Power and its subsidiaries, including Public Service Company of Oklahoma, concede that the project is not necessary to meet the region's, ener- the region's generation needs. The companies hope to collect a bounty of federal tax credits for the project while selling it as a way to cut customers' electric bills. But PSO's customers don't support the project, as Oklahoma 
Attorney General Mike Hunter's office and the Oklahoma Industrial Energy Consumers have asked the Oklahoma Corporation Commission to reject it. Commission staff opposed the project also. While the Osage Nation, some Oklahoma landowners, and regulators in Texas and Arkansas have expressed reservations about it as well. So, okay, people don't seem to like it. What have they not mentioned in this yet? Does anyone has anyone realized what they haven't? What he's not mentioned in the first few paragraphs? Can someone tell me? Uh, that the I didn't know there was a test. <laughs> the environment in Oklahoma sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and that <laughs> maybe having uh, you know, our groundwater being leached with fracking oil is not a good thing. Hey, maybe hey, clearly, clearly, like all of the earthquake shaking that it's going to cause is just going to cause these things to tip over. So why the fuck put them up in the first place? I don't understand this shit. Also, Nobody he's complaining. <laughs> He's also complaining about a $4.5 billion project in Oklahoma. That's a ton of money going into the state. Well, it's we're at the point now where um, wind and solar is a more profitable industry than oil and natural gas, and they're like, it hurts the economy. Yeah. The economy, <laughs> it feels it. It knows it when you're hurting it. Unlike, unlike oil and gas, famous. You can hear the bemoaning. The bemoaning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, but but let's go on. Let's go on. <laughs> um, Hunter's office asked the commission in December to dismiss PSO's request to proceed with the project and recover costs from ratepayers. That request was denied, leading to seven grueling days of expert testimony this month before an administrative law judge. Hey, I don't give a shit. Um, that's God, good. it's so grueling to talk about how <laughs> shitty wind is. Yeah, it's terrible to say, oh no, Hold we up. should I just have wanna... energy generation that will last here. Another <laughs> honey, honey, how was the, your day? Uh... The Oklahoma but, AG's name, uh, Mike Hunter. That's true. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, oh, that is who he is, though. You know, he's, he's a Mike Hunter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> almost as good as Mike Hawk, but I don't know. <laughs> you should, run. You should do, change your yeah. name, Parker, and run for AG. Um, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm, oh I'm wait, Adam, gonna... you could actually run for AG. Okay, you're gonna have to take a bullet for the show now. You're gonna have to change your name to Seymour Butts and run for <laughs> Attorney General. I see Wiener. Uh, no, that's, for, that, that's when you join IC. <laughs> no, you should be IC Penis so that your your initials are ICP. <laughs> Dear God. That'd be good. Um, okay, but let's that, uh, let's go on. Uh, the Attorney General's office, which represents utility customers in such proceedings, argues that PSO did not comply with the state's competitive bidding rules on the project or request pre-approval of the wind catcher project before starting construction, as required by Oklahoma law. That should be really I, okay. Um, maybe that maybe they didn't do that. That would be bad. Um, and sure, maybe that would be a problem. But once again, um, they're still not talking about the benefits of green energy production. Um, Let's continue. Uh, the wind catcher project would add about $1.4 billion to PSO's authorized $2.024 billion rate base, but the Attorney General's analysis revealed that the project's stated benefits would relied on unrealistic and unreasonable assumptions, including the notion that natural gas prices will rise significantly over the life of the project, which is true. I that think is that's a pretty true. reasonable assumption to make. <laughs> natural gas it will run out. Hey, are no, you, are you sure, it's, though? Yeah, it's... Endless. It's a limitless supply. We can always make more dinosaurs. Yeah, Unlike absolutely. wind. Have you which... not seen Jurassic Park? 
Okay. <laughs> if you sometimes you go outside in Oklahoma and it's not windy, and sometimes it is. So wind is clearly finite. Um, that seems to be the undercurrent. <laughs> no, no, wrong argument. In Inhoff told me. Okay. If we put the turbines up, it will slow the wind down. If we slow the wind down, the wind will stop and the earth will stop spinning. Do you not understand basic science or math? Uh, number the one, earth isn't that's spinning wrong, anyway. The earth is spinning. flat. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you're yeah, trying to be a, a round earther on Red Star over Oklahoma. It does spin, though. It spins like a disc, it's like, <laughs> it's like a record. Well, see, that's why we need the wind turbines to slow down the earth because. Um, Global spinning increase is, is, is the real thing, not global warming like the uh, egghead. <laughs> so keep going. Yeah, so he says, um, paranatural gas prices would be a boon to Oklahoma as the nation's number three grass producer, but future futures markets do not support PSO's projections for how wind catcher could lower its fuel costs, which is like, futures markets also didn't predict the Great Depression or the recession or the dot-com boom or... Plenty of times when yeah, they've no, just been wrong. People, I, I don't... These people are dumbasses. They don't. Well, are you saying white two K was wrong? <laughs> I mean, like no, everybody was like, "Oh my God, Trump!" We, we like, were talking about the, the Turing fuck. test earlier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's true. Except the Turing test is bullshit. It's just like half the time doesn't pass the human. <laughs> everybody acts like that. That's bullshit. I don't buy it. Uh, but but let's continue. Um, we're almost done here. Uh, <laughs> Experts retained by the Attorney General's office determined that the total economic impact of the project actually amounts to a net cost of at least $320 million to BSO customers rather than the $996 million in savings claimed by the utility. Um, okay, the Attorney General's office is clearly in the corner for oil and gas. He's an Oklahoma politician. We all know. Um, yeah. And also, what about the earthquakes we talked about before? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, we looked into that, and it's fake news. The, you didn't feel an earthquake. Uh, yeah, it's true. There wasn't a. It's not like Oklahoma went from no earthquakes to the most in the nation. Um, Oil and natural gas lighting. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the episode. That's the name of the episode. That's the name of the episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like three weeks in a um, row, Lassie. You're on fire. <laughs> got these names down. But I mean, that's like a like. What about the economic impact of? It works when oil's gone. <laughs> like, that is the major economic impact, that we build these things, and they will be good until the cows come home. The oil's going to run out. <laughs> like, we all know this. That's a major economic benefit. But, okay, let's just, let's just keep going, you know? Um, PSO has more than half a million customers in Oklahoma who can't afford that kind of increase in their electric bills for a project that is not even needed. Once again... Just stopping using fossil fuels to enter, like produce energy for Oklahoma, would make this a useful project. So, and he just he never entertains this idea, right? The whole time. Um, but uh, I'll finish it out now. Um, this crescendo of expert analysis and testimony makes it clear that Wincatcher is not in the best interest of Oklahoma or other states where electric customers being asked to bear the financial burden of this project. We don't need 800 wind turbines on the horizon in western Oklahoma or a 350-mile high-voltage transmission line dividing Oklahoma farms and communities. There's I don't no want to see that to... shit on my flat landscape. Fucking Get this 800. is the bane of my existence. I hate these nimbies. <laughs> Can we also appreciate the verbiage of a crescendo of expert analysis <laughs> testimony? Like, holy shit, man. Yeah, it's, it's the, the end of the 1812 <laughs> overture of wind opinion pieces. <laughs> I what mean, it's, this? it's not a wind-caused one. 
what Oklahoma farms are going to exist when they all get dis- destroyed by earthquakes? Like, yeah, that's when... literally a thing happening to Oklahoma farms. Also, they already have, like, fracking wastewater leaching into their crops. Like, how could wind turbines be any worse for their farm? But well, because they have to that. have... <laughs> that's true. Well, as I you all know, oh, yeah. wind turbines are really uh, there to control your mind. That's uh, much like they're, they're <laughs> Okay, we got we got just a bit more, um, and I think I think there's like the, uh, a really important point in one of these last two paragraphs. Um, there's no reason for PSO customers to invest 1.4 billion dollars in a project that AEP's own discredited model shows would save them less than one percent on their electric bills and wind catchers first year of operation. So he says it would save them money, unlike the point he makes before. <laughs> Um, and, and then he says the corporation commission should unanimously reject this project to protect Oklahoma ratepayers, which is just, okay, sure, mister, I literally run uh, an organization aimed to say we shouldn't have wind power in Oklahoma. Like, of course you think. It's in... Well, I think that this, uh, the... The important conclusion is the little footnote, uh, Cliff Brandon is an executive director of the Windfall Coalition. (laughs) Uh, yeah, he gets paid. He gets paid to write these op-eds uh, by oil companies. That's actually what that. Um, I don't. I don't want to take too much time on it, but I'll just say for additional reading this week, go check out the freaking comments under that article because ooh, I don't have yeah, time to bad. read them all, but pretty spicy. They're they're, they're very good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like you said, the oil is gonna run out. Like, but I think what these people know is that. The oil is not going to run out in their lifetimes, then that's all they give a shit about. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, that's the thing. Wind and, I mean, to a lesser extent, solar, but wind could be, like, the biggest industry in Oklahoma far and away. Like, we could become the wind state, like, the wind energy capital of the country. But these people are holding it back. Like, that could be an amazing opportunity for Oklahoma. Well, we had actually, we had covered the Windcatcher project very early in the history of the show, and some of the stuff we read for that is that Oklahoma could, like, power massive Uh, amounts of the country with its wind power. Like, Mm -hmm. like, we're talking, like, more than a, more than a fourth of the country, Oklahoma could itself power. Yeah, we could be, like, the entire Midwestern power grid. (laughs) Without a problem. And they're saying, we don't need that investment. We don't need that investment in the future. It's just... The galaxy brain of positions to say that fossil fuels that will run out are where we should be putting in fucking, you know, tax benefits and shit instead well, of the, the stuff that will always be good. Earlier in the article, I love how he brings up the farmers like that's still like, I mean, that's just the most go to conservative point to be. Well, this will hurt the farmers. You can't do that because of the farmers, as if like all the farms in Oklahoma aren't controlled by four companies. Well, and also like as if it. <laughs> You know, more than one out of three Oklahomans don't live in a major live in Tulsa or Oklahoma City. Over yeah. two thirds of Oklahoma lives in Tulsa or Oklahoma City. And like, I mean, it, if, it, this is not a problem for those people. And if I had to guess, I would imagine pretty much any Oklahoma farmer would be glad to sell their land to like a huge energy industry that wants to build a wind farm or high density power lines. Cause... They'd probably be like, I get cheap energy from this. Yeah, <laughs> they'd yeah. probably take the check and move into the city. Yeah. So this week, everybody, uh, a bit less happening, but there's still some cool stuff going on. Um, 
Oklahoma City DSA is having its Socialist Reading Club and Discussion Group on Monday, January 29th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Metropolitan Library System. Um, also on Monday, the new, sh new Sanctuary Network of Tulsa will be having its weekly protest of mass deportation. Uh, that's Monday, January 29th at 2 p.m. at the David L. Moss Detention Facility where ICE has a field office. Uh, the protest is usually only about 20 minutes, so it's, it's a really easy thing to go do. Um, and everybody is welcome to stand with them in opposing the Tulsa County Sheriff's, Sheriff's Office contract with ICE to expedite re removals of our undocumented neighbors. Uh, that's really important, like we were talking about earlier about DACA stuff. If you can go do that, go do that. That, that means a lot. Um, but yeah, that's it for, for this week for socialist events you all should be go doing, so should be going to. So go to those if you can, y'all. Yeah, and uh, we're recording this on uh, Saturday the 27th, uh, which normally we record on Sundays and release on Mondays. This will still be coming out on Monday, but um, on this Sunday, I'm going to be at the uh, Range Day and Cookout put on by Green Country DSA, Red Dirt Defense, which is the OKC John Brown Gun Club, and the Solidarity Through Food Kitchen. I also think uh, OKC DSA is uh, going to be there. Um we're going to be putting out a little reporting on the event and a little surprise on a bonus episode later this Thursday. Uh, so be looking out for that, guys. And uh, as always, with some on the ground shoe leather reporting, you know, heel toe reporting, my man. You can, um, you can go and meet your hero. <laughs> hero is a strong word to describe someone in sweatpants right now, but. Um, <laughs> drinking beer at 10 in the morning. That's, that's a hero to me. That's, that's it is, it is afternoon. I, I, I am in the clear. It is a Saturday and that, it is afternoon. I am. That's yeah, that's who legal. Dave Grohl was singing about in the song, my hero. <laughs> <laughs> drinking beer at 10 in the morning. wearing <laughs> so, That's the America I want to see. <laughs> free balling. So, uh, as, as normal, you can check us out on Twitter at red star over. Okay. We've got the subreddit, our red star over Oklahoma. We've got all our likes for the week. Uh, we've got just uh, yeah, different uh, articles and listens, and uh, I think I, I, I recommended a podcast, and Carl and Parker have got some uh, articles up, and uh, uh, as normal, listen over at SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, if you want to send us a question, comment, complaint, anything in the world, just want to say, hey, redstaroverok at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and hear how you listen to the show. Um, tell your friends about us and rate and review us on iTunes. It really doesn't take any any amount of time and it helps us move up in those rankings so more people can listen and we can get more engaged with you. Hey, you guys have a great week. Bye. Bye. Later.